Good evening, everybody, and this is DJ Alexicon in H Town Voice. I'm here sitting in for Yin Tang and Johnny Wu because they are not available. But before anything else, I like to tell everyone that H Town Voice is an hour-long nonprofit program on WJCU's 88.7 FM radio. We are on every Sundays from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. This hour-long program provides an inside look at the Asian Pacific Americans' community and their culture, education, and their events going on in Northeast. Ohio. Asia Town Voice is volunteer-based, and we hope that listeners will enjoy our program and give support to WJCU. This way, we can continue to provide many voices with many choices to you. Tonight, I have a special guest, Dr. Jessica Jandi Strasberg from APPO. Jessica, hi, Alex. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Welcome to Asia Town Voice. Um, so let's get to it. What is APPO? So APPO is the Association of Philippine American Physicians of Ohio, and it's an organization that was started in 1974 by several Filipino physician immigrants looking to socialize and organize a support network for any new Filipino physicians who immigrated to Cleveland, Ohio. So the organization's been in existence since then, and we have several events and philanthropic activities that we do every year, and we'll talk about that. Oh, that's great. Evening. That's great. So it's a it's an organization I see that's been here for quite a while, right? It sure has. I think I've heard about it. On and off, so it has its roots in Ohio. You're saying yes, in Cleveland, Ohio. It started in Cleveland, Ohio, and we have some physicians from a little farther out, and also physicians that leave the state, retire, still get involved, and still come to some of our yearly events. And for a lot of them, it's been their core network of friends and support、um, since they moved here. Oh, that's great. I guess it's a good organization for doctors who just immigrated. Is it still the same norm? Is are there still a lot of Filipino doctors immigrating to Ohio? Yeah. Still, yeah, a lot of Filipino physicians still moving here, doing the residency here, especially because we have the Cleveland Clinic and University Hospital.、Uh, a lot of the Filipino physicians want to come here, move here, so they do the residency here, and some of them end up、uh, transplanting themselves in in Cleveland. So there are still some that are immigrating here. So it's we are trying to keep the organization going by recruiting new members. I see. I understand that because in 1968, and during、mm-hmm. that time, I think there were not a lot of Filipinos in Cleveland at that point. Right. That's true. And it was hard for them to find each other. And I think with the language barrier, the cultural barrier, I think it was it was extremely helpful. And and、um, obviously, it's still a strong organization even after all these years. But we still have there's been a lot of changes and membership dwindling down. But we're trying to find new ways of reviving the organization. Oh, I forgot. Are you an officer of APPO、oh, or yeah, used to、so、be? I, I forgot to mention that. <laughs>、well, I've been a member since I was a resident. Now I am currently serving as president since 2012. And this coming November, we'll have a new election. And elect new officers. So, so the Jessica era ends. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's ending, and I'm so, happy to pass the torch. <laughs>、uh, so the organization is basically focused towards Filipino physicians, Filipino doctors. It doesn't matter what kind of practice is it. Right, correct. So you know, our main mission is to, and one of the things that we've done for the past 35 years is provided medical mission, free medical and surgical care to to patients in the Philippines, all for free. Oh, so it's a big undertaking. We do this every year. They've been.、Um, I think there's only been two years we didn't go for several reasons. But so we're trying to keep that going. It's a lot of work, and it's one of our biggest fundraising goals. How long do these、uh, missions last? So the the medical and surgical missions typically last. We were there in the city for six days. One day for unpacking medications, supplies, setting up. Then we see patients for four days, and、mm. the fifth day is travel time. Is this so, always? Is this always the regular program? The regular routine? Six days when there's A 
mission. Yeah, typically. This next mission uh, that we're doing in 2014 will be a week in one city, another week in another. So, um, Now, how do you determine what kind of services you offer towards a city? Do you do research? Would you know your demographic patient in a city? For example, if for example you're, you're offering this service, how would you know that that service is needed in a particular city? Yeah, so a year before, we do scout out cities and we're often requested by various cities, leaders in that city in the Philippines to come to their city to do the mission. When we do that, we go to the various sites, we talk to and try to establish a relationship a year before, and they will let us know what things they need. Um, for example, what surgeries they need. Are there a lot of pediatric surgeries? Do they have a lot of cleft palate, hernia? They they will give us an idea of, of what kind of, mainly it's surgeries that are required because that's extremely expensive in the Philippines. Usually patients pay out of pocket. and well, so um, Actually, it's not usually. It's, it's always. It's <laughs> always. <laughs> right. It's always. Uh, yes. Because I, I lived there for half of my life and I know that uh, medical insurance does not ex- did not exist when I was there. Yeah. Your medical insurance is the uh, size of your bank. Yeah. It's, that's that's yeah. how it is. So the very rich get whatever medical care they need. So actually a lot of people in the Philippines, millions of people get their care through medical missions, free medical missions. So some from various states in the U.S. So you were asking about membership and who can be a member. We are going to be opening up the membership to anyone in the healthcare field. Oh, so in the past, it's, it is called Association of Filipino Physicians, but we'll, you know, we'll welcome members who are podiatrists, who are physical therapists, who are nurses. Now there is a Filipino Nurses Association. And, yeah, I um, think that's PNAO. PNAO, right. So I'm and hoping we, to get them here too. <laughs> yeah, and we work with them. We work with all, the, we work with PASO, the Philippine American Society of Ohio. And so there's a lot of overlap between our membership and, but the main goal, and I think everybody will agree that it is to provide medical care. And we, we see the benefits every year and the gratitude is unbelievable so yeah I can imagine that that's yeah. really a helpful service for a lot of poor Filipinos and you go to different cities in the country right you don't just go right. to the same city every year we have occasionally we've gone to the same city two or three times consecutively however we try to go to a different city and there's just so many cities in need and often the members will come to us the members in our organization if they know the mayor of a town and they are interested in us to have a medical mission in their city they'll request us that way as well so we often have some connection in a variety of cities. We've been to Cebu. We've been... Oh, okay. But mostly we stay in Luzon. Okay. Easier for travel, so... How many times have you been to a uh, mission? Hmm. Okay, so I just served the medical mission in February of 2013. Before that, 2009, I think because I was resident before that, I've gone three times where I was able to... What own. do you mean by resident? I was a res- uh, family practice resident oh, at okay. the time. Right. Not resident of Ohio. Right, right, right. <laughs> family... Pre- so I was a resident... Before that, if you're not a resident or an attending, you can't... Or physician staff is you can't provide medical care. Right. For those, some of our viewers are not familiar with the medical field, but if you watch Grey's Anatomy a lot, you will understand <laughs> what a resident or an attending uh, physician is. But yes, yes uh, walk us through about February 2013 experience. Any highlights from that sure. uh, trip? Yeah, so we were in... Was that the first time in the Philippines or no? No, I've been to the Philippines probably nine times. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the medical mission in February was uh, to Alangapo City, which is by Subic Bay, and it's a beautiful area. Subic Bay was a former naval base. Yeah. So it's a, it basically is a, it's a very, um, in, there's a lot of indigent people as, as in everywhere in the Philippines. But so this was the first time in that city. We work with a hospital, which was the James Gordon Memorial Hospital. Oh. And they have a surgical residency program. They also had some pediatric residents. So our surgeons were able to do a little bit of teaching during, during the operations and surgeries. And some of the surgeries we provided, and we provided probably like about 60 to 70 
major surgeries. Wow. That's uh, with general anesthesia. And, and a lot of times the surgeons in that surgical program don't have the resources, the supplies to do that surgery on their own. So, oh, interesting. So we... This, you're talking about the doctors in the Philippines. In the Philippines, correct. So they, may, they might have the academic knowledge, but they, they don't have, the, have the resources exactly. to perform it. Mm-hmm. They don't have the resources to even do the pre-op testing that's required to even mm. do a simple EKG because the patients have to present all that money up front. And this was also a government hospital. So it's very, so everybody is poor there. EKG the is used for thyroid? Well, as a pre-op. So when a patient is getting a major surgery where they're being put under, they need minimal testing to make sure okay. they survive the surgery. So just to pre-op the patient. So there's, and it probably costs about $25 to pre-op a patient in the U.S. That's cheap. That, it's very cheap. That's the cost. It's is the serious. cost of a meal. Is about, what, 500 I don't know how much. It's extremely expensive here to do a pre-op, but there, there's no insurance. So we provide, sometimes we can get grants to help us with the pre-op testing, but the thyroid surgery is a pretty common surgery that's done there that we provide for the patients. How do you do this logistically? So this is inside the hospital, not in the open field, right? Exactly. Right. So we, this is part of our... So I would imagine there might be some, <laughs> you know, some conflict or no, or they expect you to come in and how, how oh, do you do this? This is why we come... We meet them a year before. We establish a relationship, and it's a it's a year long. Many emails back and forth. Thank God for emails. But um, I can tell you, our medical or mission organizers, Dr. Armando Damien and Carmencito Damien, have been doing this for thirty five years, wow. and they have they have their method down. And so they meet and establish a relationship, build a relationship with the head physicians and surgeons at that hospital. That way, we know uh, they know upfront what to expect from us. We sign a it's a bit like a contract, so they know. Our, their expectations of us, our expectations of the staff. It's very well organized now. I think it took years and years of learning the hard way yeah, how not yeah. to do it. And I could imagine that yeah. there were like pitfalls in the beginning. Oh, I'm sure but there were many. The, what have you... So this mission is only for Filipino doctors, right? Anybody can join. Any physicians. We don't have just Filipino physicians. We have American doctors. Oh, you have uh, non-Filipino we doctors join We have non-Filipino doctors who join. And we've had several non-Filipinos that join every year and they just they feel that you know they can provide a service that you can't provide here for free they feel the gratitude and it just makes you sometimes feel like you're practicing the way you wanted to practice or they're just so thankful and you can't ever feel that sometimes when you're here in the u.s you kind of lose sight of that so yeah it's some it's a great thing yeah we have a lot of even non uh, filipino nurses that come and help physicians that are not that are not filipino and they love going and it's just it's a pretty we have to actually cut down on the number of people who can come because hmm. there's just too many people but we try not to do that we try to have anyone who wants to join join they have to pay for their flight um, we pay a little we pay the hotel fee and we usually stay in a decent you know air conditioned hotel you gotta have AC there yeah you gotta have AC <laughs> <laughs> with no That's mosquitoes no, <laughs> no mosquitoes and um, we and all the transportation is provided so that when they get there it's especially for the non-Filipinos they can travel quite easily so how do you uh, how, how, how do you feel about it after you uh, cure a patient do you, do you feel a sense of satisfaction well, I don't do surgery. Oh, you don't? Oh, what I don't do you do? do surgery. Do you do? I do family medicine. So when I'm there, I only provide non-surgical care. I see patient. I will see adults and children for 
variety of ailments. Whatever they come in with, we check their blood pressure, we'll check their blood glucose. That's about it. And then we take a history. And if they have certain conditions, we have we bring over and pay for and provide free medications. Everybody gets vitamins, um, especially the children who need it. And we provide that for them. And then we make sure they can follow up with physicians in the area. So some of the local governments have um, government physicians and they're part of the health the health clinic the health clinic um, system system there yeah hmm. so we'll we'll also make sure that they follow up when we leave but I don't know how great the compliance is so yeah. so yeah. sometimes you don't know how much you're really helping you know it's I think for the surgeons there is a sense of more satisfaction a lot of the patients have been waiting and waiting for, to have an yeah. elective surgery it's got a, a bigger impact on the people's it's a bigger life impact because it's like immediate it's immediate and um, a lot of the surgeries we do there's a we there's a plastic surgeon his name is Philbert Jones and he's gone to the mission yearly for many years and um, does a lot of the cleft palate and pediatric plastic surgeries that make a big difference yeah. with the families great. yeah that's so. great that's great so to all to all our Filipino listeners if you know a doctor I'm pretty sure you you'll, you know one our Filipino community is kind of tight wherever we are whether in Cleveland or in another country or back in the Philippines where this broadcast can be heard spread the word that if they're not a member of APPO they should check out this organization so with that I'll take a break so I hope you enjoy this
And we are back. That was Noipi by the group Bamboo. I like this group because they have a lot of introspective songs. Some are emo songs, some are rock songs. And this song in particular is a very, um, I don't know, a little, bit, a little bit of nationalistic vibe to it. Anyway, we're here with um, Dr. Jessica Jandy Strasberg talking about APPO, Association of Philippine Physicians of Ohio. This group performs a lot of medical services to poor people in the Philippines. So they have a medical mission every year and they go to different cities. So as I mentioned earlier before we went to break is if you're a physician or you know someone or you know a Filipino physician who wants to do a similar kind of service, you can contact APPO via PASO's website at philamohio.com, P-H-I-L-A-M-O-H-I-O.com. And they also have a Facebook presence. You just do a search of Association of Philippine Physicians of Ohio. Am I correct? Yep. Thanks, so. Yeah. And we will also post this link in the Asia Town Voice webpage. So, so let's talk about your background, Jesse. So, are you um were you born here? Were you born in the Philippines? Where Where are you uh, from? Where did you grow up? I was born in Lakewood. Oh, Ohio. So Ohio. you are a second generation yes. Filipino. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. I am. Uh, my parents immigrated in the '60s. They met at Euclid Hospital doing the residency. Oh, they were both in doing internal medicine training. So um, they met a lot of Filipino physicians were also doing their training at the same hospital. So I think that's how it all started. And I think yeah. it's the 1960s were the huge influx of Filipino uh, physicians mm-hmm. in Ohio. Um, yes. Do you know how they ended up in Ohio or no? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it was uh, there was a need and they provided this opportunity. Yeah. Therefore, there were a lot, a lot of physicians. Exactly. Yeah. So I was born here, raised here. True Clevelander. True Clevelander. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Cleveland accent. Yeah, where did you go to uh, high school? So, yeah, I grew up in North Royalton, mostly. I lived in Seven Hills, North Royalton. Okay. And then I went to high school at Holy Name High School. And then college? Go Namers. Um, I went to Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. No. (laughs) She's a true doctor. So are you telling me that during your medical student years that you were just in your room studying for your medical? Oh, yes, of course I was. No, There's no partying? There's no sports? I I actually was not... I wasn't pre-med at Miami, so oh, okay. I was a business major. Look okay. at me, <laughs> confused. I am confused. I was, um, I think I was a little confused at the time. No, I was an accounting major and thought I wanted to do business and liked that kind of thing. And when I realized they all just sat behind a desk, it was really hard for me. I didn't found that I was just, I think maybe it's my blood being born to two physicians. That I, I was about to ask that later, yeah. actually. What 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 pushed you to, because uh, I thought from the beginning you were like a pre-med student, no, but this is more interesting. Interesting because you started off differently. Yeah. Was that intentional that you want to do something different from your parents? I think it was intentional. It was completely intentional. But, but you just couldn't yeah. resist I that. Couldn't resist. I, th- I, I think you were around it a lot when yeah. you were a kid. I was definitely around it a lot. And we were we would go to the Philippines and they would go to missions, but I would never work in a mission. I was too little. <laughs> but I mean, I remember them going, and you know, I worked in my dad's office as a secretary, and I worked in several physicians' offices, and and so I knew after college that. 
but I wanted to make a change, and my parents were very supportive. Oh, wait a minute. So you graduated with a degree in... Accounting. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> I thought you switched majors in college, but I no. I didn't. You went <laughs> I through did the graduate. entire account. You, I never worked as an accountant. You became a bean counter, yes, but... <laughs> but I never worked. I never, never got worked. a job. And okay. I did, but I did do medical billing. I did eventually, I did use some of it in my, in some of my it jobs. It was useful. It was, it was useful. You were studying to be an accountant, <laughs> but your environment was in the medical field. That's how right. I'm taking it. Right. And I think right. that's the vibe that you you got while you were studying. I think so. It was just in my blood. and So, so yeah. So I came back and I, I lived at home. I went. To, my parents were really supportive of me going back to school. I went to Ball and Wallace for a few years and then I took the MCATs, which is the prerequisite test you take for medical school. And then I got in and I went to Ohio State. Oh, wait a minute. I thought you went to Baldwin and Wallace. I went to Baldwin and Wallace, did my prereqs. That's like where you take biology, chemistry, okay, physics okay. that yes. you need to get in because all my classes were in business. I didn't have enough of science, science recs. Yeah. And then after that, that's when you went to Ohio State for mm-hmm. med school. Yeah. That's an right. interesting path there. It is. I think a lot of people actually do that. Um, you know, I work with physicians who don't go the straight and narrow path. Some, some now, know right now, away. When did you realize that you want to do med? <laughs> I mean, you got that degree. You you walked in Miami. I you def- got that accounting right. degree. You just didn't become a CPA, right? I, I think between my junior and senior year, when I started getting into the heavy-duty business classes and I realized you this were crying. Was <laughs> I just wasn't Finance. feeling it. Yeah, I mean, economics. Economic. <laughs> yeah, oh, I could not. relate to that because yeah. um, I have a computer science degree from from oh. uh, Cleveland State University and those were the business. But I did have a lot of science classes. I have bio one, two, chemistry one, hmm. two. Do you like it? I memorized a lot. <laughs> I didn't hate it. You know, my, my mother wanted me to be a doctor. Yeah. That's, every, that's a, I think that's a common dream of every, uh, uh, Filipino first generation yeah. Filipinos because right. they think the doctor is the... But it's a good profession. Though. The healer. Yeah, yes. But even in the Philippines, it's a great career. Oh, yes. I think anywhere. Anywhere. But <laughs> anywhere. I think even so, like in the Philippines, first of all, you can get a residency. If you get in, if you get to the U.S., you know, that's sort of the ideal, I think, for some people. But even if you live in the Philippines, it's you can have a yeah. good life there, you yeah. know. I, I, it's just for me that it took a long time. That's yeah. why I didn't take it. But the irony of it <laughs> is um, I was studying computer science in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. I was on my fourth year and then I transferred here. So I repeated again. So it's like eight years. Right. So. <laughs> So I said if I took a, exactly. if I studied medicine I could have ended you know in the same same yeah. spot where I am right now exactly but but that is funny <laughs> but the, the good thing is you stayed in Ohio after graduation I did. from I'm a member of a group called Motivations mm-hmm. and that organization's goal is to retain um, talent in Ohio mm-hmm. so for yeah. you was that intentional did you like the place because a lot of people <laughs> who go who go to college leave the state I've got two cousins who went to um oh I forget where they went Chicago. but but they but they studied here yeah. but they left they, they, right. they're in Chicago right now yeah the other one is back here but both of them are in Chicago right now so didn't you have the inkling or I did um, I think that one of the reasons I stayed in Cleveland was because I met my husband my why well, I didn't get married until 2000 but when I met him he's you know we started dating was, was he deeply rooted in Cleveland he is his parents live in Shaker Heights oh, and so and my parents live in Cleveland in so we owe your existence here to your husband <laughs> Because yeah, if not for him, I would have you would have left. Yeah, would've you would have left. left. You would have left. That's wanted, very interesting. Yeah, so we came back. Both our parents are here. All our, my my whole family is here. I have many cousins, and so it's um, nice to have that growing up with the kids, and they're all around their cousins all the time. So we love it. It's not. I mean, believe me, the weather is annoying and horrible. For six How could months. that be annoying? Um, it's annoying? You've lived here all your life, and I've just. <laughs> 
exactly. I'm a transfer. I'm a first generation uh, <laughs> Filipino living in Cleveland since 1980. I've been here for 22 years. Oh, so it's okay. like, you know, it's not like I'm just here several years. Well, you've been here for a long time. Yeah, I've been so here for a long time. I love the weather. Oh, really? <laughs> it's a little too long, too much snow for too long. I know, but when spring comes, don't you appreciate it? I do. Everybody I gets think, ex- yeah. excited. Because right. I think if you're living in California, you won't, you won't feel that way. Because right. I've lived in California for several months. And, you know, I remember coming here in 89 and then one week later flying to California. And then I was there for six months and it's like nothing. But in here, when the snow melts, you appreciate, you appreciate it. We appreciate that. it. We yeah, celebrate it. We celebrate it. We appreciate the five perfect days. No. Exactly. The five. No, uh, more than five perfect days. But I, I do like Cleveland. I think it's easy to live here. I think we don't have a lot of traffic. A lot of friends and family are here. And so when you have a family, I think that's what's important. Had we not had a family, we might have moved somewhere else for a few years and come back. But, but it's nice to grow up around family. It's actually the same in the Philippines. Family yeah. is important. Um, yeah. We may be living here, but in the Philippines, it's the same. Pe- people like to be closer, family, geographically, physically, so that um, they can support each other. So you're still a practicing uh, physician, right? Yes. Where do you practice at? I practice family medicine at the Cleveland Clinic in Solon. Do you, do you have your own practice? Can people just come to you and be your new patient? They can. Uh, oh, okay. I, um, I am in a group practice at the Cleveland Clinic. So I'm, I'm a Cleveland Clinic staff physician, and I see a lot of different age groups and a lot of women. I do women's health as a primary focus. So I do know a lot of uh, people in Solon, friends and oh. friends. So uh, if you guys live in Solon and I know who exactly you are. She is at the Cleveland Clinic Solon Family Health Center by 91. That exit, right? <laughs> right. When you make a right Harper in 91 on the way to Hudson, that's where her yeah. clinic is. So if you're looking for an excellent physician and I think Dr. Jessica here is an excellent physician because she hasn't been sued. Yeah. Oh. So. <laughs> but she does carry high insurance. Funny. So, <laughs> and it also says here that you're an assistant professor at Cleveland Clinic Learner College yes. of Medicine. What do you Well, I do precept. I basically have students in my office. And uh, the Cleveland Clinic Learner College of Medicine, the first year of med school, the students start working in our office right away. They come once a week or once every two weeks. And then we teach them basic uh, exam examination skills, how to take a history. Oh, yeah. And in the past, traditionally, you didn't start that until your third year. So this is Oh, these a, are like really These are first years. They're fresh out. Oh. Oh, oh yeah. interesting. First interesting. year medical students. So they don't know a whole lot. They've just started. They just got their white coat and they started. They don't know a lot. <laughs> but you know what? They're extremely smart and bright. The Cleveland Clinic picks some of the brightest students. They do research. And so a lot of them come with even extra degrees, PhDs at times. And a lot of them are working towards a PhD and MD. So it's a great, I mean, it's been a great opportunity. And I love teaching students. So um, so they come to, so that's what I do mainly. I don't have any other lecture time. So basically teaching in the office. Yeah. So is that in addition to your clinic hours or do you yes. teach during? We teach during clinic hours. Oh, so okay. during the time when the student is there, they only they we only see about six patients mm. so that we have more time to teach the student and the student will go in and take the history and try to do as much as they can. And then they come out and talk to me and then we go back in and talk to the patient. And so it's a great way to for them to apply what they learn in the classroom into the clinic setting. So they're extremely comfortable talking to patients after they're done working in our clinic. Hmm. Makes them better physicians, I think. Learning from me, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> me and my colleagues. Yes, <laughs> you and your cohorts. Yeah. 
So let me ask you this question. Growing up, did you did you have a were you aware that you were Asian, a Filipino Asian growing up? And did you have any challenges being an Asian? Did you experience any discrimination? Or were you just treated like anybody else? Um I told you I've done a lot, this of, a painful, lot of times. A lot of painful memories now. <laughs> um I definitely remember feeling different, feeling an outsider. I grew up in a relatively homogeneous, I feel, neighborhood in um and was one of the few Asian kids in my school. Uh so thankfully we we had there were other Filipinos that I could talk to, but I do remember being called some names. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like I was ever discriminated against, but but I guess that you wondered there, why are they calling right? Me? They would call me Chinese, yeah, yeah or, even though or, you're not, <laughs> or have or Japanese like yes. war references, and yes, I had no idea yes. what they were talking about. Yeah, exactly. In kindergarten, I remember this in kindergarten. Wow, that goes so, far. <laughs> yeah, I just remember I was embarrassed, and, you know. So it was um, I just I definitely remember feeling out of place or different from everyone else. Hmm, I'm sure interesting. you do. You ever feel that way? Um, not anymore. I never not anymore did but, though because I did not grow up here in uh, the U.S. So mm-hmm. I came here when... Oh, oh, I shouldn't say that. I came here to study. <laughs> I came here to continue my college. I was older. I was... Mm-hmm. My main focus then when I was at Cleveland State was to assimilate and understand the American culture as wow. it relates to Cleveland. So okay. uh, some of my stories there were... I did not hang out with a lot of Filipinos uh-huh. who were who were speaking Tagalog. Because oh. I know that if, if, you're, yeah. if you're an immigrant, you can know someone... You know immediately if someone came from the Philippines or if mm-hmm. they were born here because, mm-hmm. of the, of the, because of the accent. The accent. Mm-hmm. So I didn't hang out with them and I didn't hang out with a lot of... Uh, I didn't speak uh, Filipino for several oh. months at a time because I wanted to absorb the culture. Oh, wow. And I think the first um, thing that I did towards that was learning baseball oh. and learning football. <laughs> Basketball, I didn't have to learn because that's a popular sport in the Philippines. Right. It's huge in the Philippines. So I yeah. quickly related to the Cubs. But Indians and the Browns were a little bit different for me so that those are the because i noticed people talking about these things a, a lot, lot a lot, a lot of men so talk about sports i went to cleveland state and i lived in the dorm so i was i, I was friends with a lot of people from different parts of the country mm. and uh, americans also so they they talk a lot about baseball and yeah. browns and so i said well these are the local sports so i exerted i exerted effort to find out and learn about the sports and with that you know, I started relating to a lot of people. People started talking, talking to me, uh-huh. and you know, yeah. if I if you root for the Browns and the Indians, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're part of us. Right. So I, I in, got in I got quickly accepted. I got yeah. quickly accepted because um, at school I wasn't uh, the person who just talked to my fellow you know Asians because there's a lot of people in the dorm who just mingled among themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's not really. You know, I'm I'm not for that because if you're in the U.S. you're an interna- you are an international student. You should mingle a lot. It doesn't matter if your English is broken or if you don't have a good command of it. But if you talk to a lot of people who are Americans, it will only make you better instead right. of you being afraid. Because a lot of Americans are very accepting. That's true. That's my experience. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how I think I it's different now for sure. Oh, you know, absolutely! Because of the social media, also yeah. it makes things easier. I mean, growing up, there was no Facebook. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the, the s- internet was yeah. purely for computer. I mean, I think I was in school when Netscape was still <laughs> <laughs> becoming big, and people were still yeah, using IRC internet relay <laughs> chat. But okay, with that, yeah. let's take a short break and uh, let me play another song that I hope you guys will enjoy. This is a, a slower song, so if you're listening to us, grab some wine and relax while you listen to this song. Mm-hmm. 
was Will I Ever by Side A. For those of you Filipinos who, uh, who are familiar with the music scene, Side A is a very popular Filipino band and um, they have a lot of love songs that Filipinos love because Filipinos are romantic. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter whether you were born here in the oh, Philippines man. or in a different country. <laughs> Filipinos are romantic. And in fact, I, I saw Side A in New York mm. about 10 years ago. A group of us rented a van and drove all the way there to watch them perform in a small college. Wow. So when they opened, oh, adults were screaming, to my, and girls and women and guys were screaming. And you were screaming. No, I was screaming. <laughs> anyway, we're back with uh, Jessica here. We talked about your background. I wanted to know, what do you do outside? Uh, being a doctor, I know, is a very demanding demanding field because you have to be 
you know, alert on the edge. You have to remember <laughs> all the things that you studied based from what I see in Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> I have all nine seasons. I love that show. So, uh, so what do you do outside your medical practice? As a hobby, you mean? Um, well, I have two kids. They keep me busy. I, yeah, that's uh, your number one uh, thing. Being my a, number one thing. Being a mommy. Being a mom. Being a wife. Um, I have two kids, so they're 11 and 9, a boy, Jacob, who's 11, and Julia, who's 9. Oh, nice. She got a pair. Yeah. <laughs> and so, J&J, and so um, they are extremely busy. They play various sports and, and do a lot, especially in the evening. So almost every evening, you know, we might, my husband will drive them somewhere, or I'll drive them or pick them up, and it's a lot of chauffeuring, as most pa- uh, parents know. And so, but I do like, um, I don't have any hobbies because I really don't have a lot of time. I do like running. I like to run. That's my main form of exercise. Have you been running since um, kid, high school, college? I never ran as a, for sport. I just started running for exercise oh, okay. in my 20s. And so I just continue to run. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how do you run? Where? I run outside. I run in oh, our neighborhood outside. and um, we have a track and in the... Well, it's not really a track, but a trail. So you do, this, you do this six months out of the year because what happens when I the white stuff the falls? Well, you know what I do? I try to do it in the winter as well. And oh. this, and when it's... if. The ground is dry, and even if there's snow on the ground, if it's cold, I will just dress more warmly. Interesting. And I run outside. How, how long do you run when it? It depends. When it's winter. <laughs> if it's very cold, it might be 30 minutes, or I could run an hour. I will occasionally run indoors if it's too cold, but I don't really like running inside anymore, so... I didn't mean to stereotype you, but Strasbourg oh. is not a Filipino name. No, because <laughs> I'm married. And uh, my last name is, my married married name is Strasbourg, and he is South African. So he is not Filipino. So um, raising your kid, do you still part to them their Filipino heritage? And if you do, how do you do so? We try by attending functions through PASO, APPO. They get to meet other kids who are Filipino or half Filipino. Do they get to dance? They do <laughs> dance. Dance like folk dancing. Folk dancing. My Filipino daughter folk does. Dancing. Oh, She's that's done great. The that's interesting. Yeah, dance, which is a dance that mimics a bird yes, in the Philippines. Yes. To our, yeah, to our uh, <laughs> listeners who are not familiar with Filipino culture, we, the Philippines has a lot of folk dances. And if you happen to attend, there are various parties all throughout the year. There are performances that, that showcase this uh, talent. And the itik itik dance is a dance that mimics a bird. So, and I would like them to say Tagalog classes. So that's something else we could mention is on Saturdays at the Cultural Center, I believe at 9.30, there's free Tagalog classes. So it's open to all all ages and my kids haven't started yet because they're doing it's open to all ages and all all races right yeah all races all ages so yeah so if you guys are interested in learning the filipino language those who were not born in the philippines or those who uh, grew up here or left the philippines early there are filipino classes being offered at the philippine cultural center in parma would you know the The address address is 1975 west ridgewood 1975 west ridgewood drive in parma philippine cultural center that's uh, what days? And it started, it's on Saturday mornings. Saturday mornings. And it's on our web, it's on the website, www.philamohio.com. If you look under the events, you'll see the Tagalog classes listed. How much does this class cost? Well, it's absolutely free. Ah, uh, see? 
It's very cheap. It's very free <laughs> to everybody. And how long we are like the classes? Free. That's a good question. I think they're two hours. Do they have to pre-register? They don't have to pre-register. You can just show, show up. up. And you can start in the middle and you could start learning right away. You don't have to have started from the beginning because this is we're midway through a session. This is an so. excellent uh, information for all those who are listening to us. So also, if you have a spouse who's not Filipino and would like to get the grasp of the language this is a perfect opportunity for you guys to attend i think wherever you are if you're close to cleveland a few hours drive it's worth it driving to attend these classes so what else do you do besides running is that it the family is priority um, family and i sew occasionally <laughs> oh this <laughs> is interesting curtains in my bedroom <laughs> So when did you when did you pick up sewing? Is this manual or are you using a machine? machine. Ah, machine. okay, okay, yeah. okay. National, oh what gosh, kind of machine is, so is this? Let's discuss this side <laughs> no. of Doctor Jessica. Oh my god! So is this what what machine is this? National sewing oh machine? Oh no, it's like a singer. A singer sewing yeah. machine. I've been okay. sewing since high school. Oh really? <laughs> and I always tell people one of the. I think this is your domestic this side is my coming domestic. out. The two my two favorite classes in high school were typing. And sewing. And sewing. And home ac. It was home No ac. wonder you were the secretary for <laughs> your dad's office. <laughs> yeah. And I think I need I need skill. curtains here in my I know. Place. <laughs> I will do some measurements and we'll pick out. This is interesting. It's not that interesting, <laughs> Alex. No, I did make a poodle skirt for myself once. <laughs> now, how, how did you learn this craft? You said oh, you started in high school? Home ac. Home ac class in oh. Holy Name. It was so you just class. gravitated toward this activity. Yes, and I don't know why I still do it. Oh, and I, I ham all my pants because I'm short, as most Filipinos are. Yeah, I know. I know. So Thank I, God I I'm 30. Lot of, I know. Thank God I'm 32. I could find it. Yeah. <laughs> 30, 30. You're 30? 30. 30. I, I could still find it. I had a tough time finding it um, I think the first few years that I was here because I think now that there's a lot more Asians they, they <laughs> make shorter <laughs> shorter length short, pants short length so yeah. if you uh, how much are you charging for your hemming oh, no, you know. <laughs> <laughs> most Filipinos Free. work for food so there has to be an offering so if you <laughs> Hemming. Oh, I think I have a few pants that needs ah, hemming. there you go. So th this, <laughs> this is really interesting. Does this hemming relax you? Do you find this does relaxing? Does it relax me? Um, I think it does. Sometimes it does, yeah. It's fun. It's like, oh, I just... Because you kind of know what you're doing, hemming. right? You know, I, mean, I do, I think. I mean, when you start hammering that singer machine, you're in the zone. I'm in the zone. <laughs> Don't bother me. I focus. I get, I get a lot of... Me time. <laughs> I know. I know a lot of doctors that have different hobbies that you don't yes, expect them. I don't have them, any exciting hobbies that you don't expect them to have. It's very interesting that doctors are not one-dimensional. You might think that they are, <laughs> but they are. In Jessica's case, she's a professional sewer. So let's take another break. And a lot of Filipinos know this a very inspirational song. Lead me, Lord, lead me 
My love. 
And that was Lead Me Lord, popularized by uh, Gary V and Basil Valdez of the Philippines. But that version was sung by the CFC FFL Music Ministry. That's Couples for Christ, Foundation for Family, Family Life Music Ministry. And I am playing bass in that song. Oh. <laughs> so the singer Sounds is awesome. Ariel Flores and the keyboard player is Ariel Dones. And the drummer is Bong Gaines, Guinness. And the guitarist is Dodoy, Labad- uh, Dodoy Labadia. So before I forget, I like to do a couple of shout-outs. First of all, I like to mention Motivations for Cleveland. They have a Facebook site and their website is motivations.org. This is the organization that I mentioned earlier, Jessica. I like to mention Yintang Dance. This is the dance company headed by my normal co-host and cohort, Yintang. She just established a dance class in Solon. Classes started this fall, so if you're interested with dance lessons for your kids, contact her. She has a Facebook presence or send a shout-out in Ishatan Voice Facebook site. I also wanted to mention OCA Cleveland Chapter. It's an organization for Chinese Americans of Greater Cleveland, but they're changing the name. But it's basically a non-profit, non-partisan civil rights and educational organization. Its website is ocagc.org. Uh, OCA is very active in the Asian community, especially different civic causes. And I'd also like to congratulate Johnny Wu for being inducted to the International Indie Filmmakers Hall of Fame for editing. He received this award several w- weeks back. Um, as you know, Johnny Wu is also one of the co-hosts of the show. He has contributed a lot to the community and he has produced and created and directed and written a lot of uh, films. Oh, another organization that I like to mention, and I think we've mentioned them as we were talking, is PASO, the Philippine American Society of Ohio. It's one of the oldest organizations for Filipinos in Cleveland. Their website is philomohio.com. And we will be talking about, uh, a lot more about them because I want to bring them in and talk to them about this organization. few restaurants that we enjoy. Coco Bakery in Cleveland. That's in um, 3710 Payne Avenue, Cleveland, Ohio. It's a bakery, coffee shop, Asian restaurant, and a Wi-Fi hotspot. Um, have you been to Coco Bakery, Jessica? I have not. No. I would like to. Yeah, a lot. This place has been excellent. getting a lot of our reviews. They have very good food. Uh-huh. Uh, we order teriyaki there all the time. They have a lot of desserts. They have buns. There are hot dog in buns. Yeah. Okay. And uh, a few more restaurants. Uh, Kumo, Japanese Chinese buffet in Cleveland. I, I go to this place a lot because uh, <laughs> I've you, been there. You, you, I think a lot of Asians have yes, been in this place. A lot of place. Filipinos go there. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Filipinos. It's 1975 Snow Road, Cleveland, Ohio. And um, I mentioned this place because my guitarist in my band, the Tone Lockers, uh, DJ Rice, works there. So he's at the Hibachi table. He can cook your oh, meal. Okay, I didn't. And I'd like to do a shout-out, too, to these two Filipino stores. First is Sugarland Food Mart on 5790 Ridge Road, Parma, and Nipahat Oriental Food Mart in Parma also, 6675 West 130th Street in Parma. Nipahat Oriental Food Mart offers Saturday buffets. I bet you've been there. Yes. They have a Filipino buffets. Because a lot of people, I get questions where, hey, where can we eat Filipino food? Well, this is one place where you can eat and try and sample Filipino foods. During Saturdays, they have a buffet. I think that's, I'm not sure how much it costs, but it's, I think, 10 to $15 per plate. It's very reasonable for a buffet. If you'd like a sampling or if you miss home cooking, which I did when I first moved here, because I couldn't cook when I first moved here. 
then I, I used to go to uh, Nipahat. And since we are in September, I like to mention the Chinese Moon Festival or Mid-Autumn Festival because if Yin was here, she would be mentioning this. But Chinese Moon Festival is uh, falling on the 15th day of the 8th month according to Chinese lunar calendar. The Mid-Autumn Festival is the second grandest festival after the Spring Festival in China. And it takes its name from the fact that it is always celebrated in the middle of the autumn season. The day is also known as the Moon Festival as at that time of the year, the moon is at its roundest and brightest. Um, in September, check out the moon if it's roundest <laughs> and at its brightest. And I bet you can get some moon cake at uh, our Asian oh. store. And finally, I'd like to ask, let's talk about food because we always yeah. talk about food in the last segment of our show with, <laughs> with all our guests. So, Jessica, what's your favorite food? That's a hard one. My favorite Filipino food. Is okay, let's let's divide into definitely segments. Filipino food, adobo, adobo, chicken. Okay. And how about the non-Filipino food? I really like desserts. Okay. I mean, I will not turn down a dessert. Well, before we continue, and you will you cook for us? <laughs> I'm not a very good cook. Uh. <laughs> I, I love dessert. I I mean, I will just say across the board, I'll eat anything that's dessert, mostly everything. So that would be probably my favorite type of food. <laughs> so what? Uh, let me ask you this: Since you like adobo, uh, uh-huh. to all our listeners, non-Filipino adobo is—it's basically sometimes it's cooked with chicken or meat and marinated with soy sauce, garlic, and pepper, vinegar. and there's vinegar and a lot of variations to it. But adobo is a dish that almost all Filipino knows how to eat and cook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so do you? you cook I can adobo? cook it. Yes. What, I have how do you cook this adobo? Because this dish doesn't have a single identity. Because this dish varies from region to region. So when you cook your adobo, do you, do you cook it dry or do you have soup or a lot of sauce with it? I have a lot of sauce. I put a lot of vinegar and soy sauce. Okay. And then you add, you can add garlic and some onion. So the, the finished product would be, um, there would be sauce for you to put in the rice. Oh, of course. That's the most okay. important part. You have yeah. to cook it for a long time. I think that the best way to cook it is through a crock pot. Or slow cook because okay. then it really you throw everything in and then you cook it on low for however long it takes twelve hours eight twelve hours Very so by doing that the meat is soft you do this moist. with chicken also oh yeah only ch- I only use chicken usually oh, okay but if you want to cook it fast you j- I just cook it in a pot oh okay I'm kind of stunned and because you need I've never white rice. white rice for sure yeah. Somewhere. Yeah, I think it's everybody knows that you know <laughs> all Filipino food requires white rice. So if you're a diabetic like me, it's not oh, no. cool, not cool, not cool at all. <laughs> yes, you have to. You can eat it with brown rice yes, or quinoa. Yes, yes. So yeah, there's some Philippine, there's some adobo that are cooked dry. I don't know what that means. That means there's no sauce. The end product oh. has no sauce. The oils of oh. the, um, the, the meat is the one that serves as a sauce. So obviously it's cooked with pork. Oh, okay. So Do it's you... a little bit dry, but it's not very, very dry. There's just no sauce. Oh, okay. And I've seen uh, sauce that are thick, and I've seen sauce, adobo sauce that are thin. So yes, a lot of variation. It's still tasty, if you ask me. <laughs> it's very good. I always, I, w- I would like my mom to make me some, but I went there today and she didn't make me. No? <laughs> I know, I should have. Well, I was just over there and I said I wanted to do it. What kind of Filipino foods do you, do you know how to cook? I can, okay, I don't make that much, but I can make bibinka or cassava. Oh, okay. And That's a complex one. Give me a rundown of the Philippine dishes you can cook. I can't. That's an adobo. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah, how about sinigang? No. Nilaga. No. Pakbet. 
No. Curry, curry? <laughs> no. If you're not cooking... Uh, oh, if I'm not cooking Filipino. Yes, what dish um, would we, you... I make... I mean, I prepare pasta dishes and um, salmon and... What else? Um, we love anything with onions, so... <laughs> How about garlic? Meatloaf. Garlic is good too, though. I like garlic. Does your husband cook, though? He can cook too. Yeah, he makes a lot of the meals. Is your husband a doctor also? No, he's not. He's a oh, physical okay. physical therapist. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Yeah. I, I always thought he was a doctor too. No, yeah, but he takes care of patients. He was also in business and then changed as well. And he was working in as, a, as an accountant as well. Realized and, they come and, uh, yeah, and he was actually working. He worked, had a job, and then went back for physical therapy. So, and he likes it. He, he really enjoys it, actually. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we're at the top of our hour, and uh, I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Jessica Jandy Strasberg. Thank you. Jessica, thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, for being it. here. We learned a lot about your background, <laughs> especially your talent in sewing. Uh. So, <laughs> I'd like to just put that out there. If you have curtains, re- re- right. curtain repair, or if you'd like someone to sew your curtains, just hem your or pants. hem your pants. Doctor, you can brag that the doctor hem your pants or you know created your. It's my side job. Yes, there you go. (laughs) So with that, we will see you all next week. Good night.